In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Tests, uh, more and more tests. The kids are in first and fifth grade, so on the way to school the other day, they were complaining about all the tests. And I told them, if you think your teachers give you lots of tests, think about all the tests you give to your mom and dad, right? Anybody who parents know there's a lot of testing out there. And if you parents get upset about all the tests that your kids give you, you should try being a priest. There's even more tests out there with your parishioners. There's lots of tests. Every day is a test. And if I start getting proud of that, I'm sure the bishop would say the same thing to me. There's so many tests. There's so many tests in life. Anything worth doing, anything you care about is full of tests. And if you want to know how to look at your life and the tough things in your life as tests, as trials, and how to win those trials and tests, look to Jesus. It's all he does, over and again. And in today's gospel reading, he does it again. On the surface, well, the Pharisees are testing Jesus, right? And on the surface, the test was about marriage and divorce. And that's what the Pharisees wanted the test to be about because they thought they had all the answers. Like us, a lot of times, we want to be affirmed in knowing the right way. And we want to judge those who don't know the right way. It makes us feel good. But the Pharisees are messing with fire when they try to put Jesus to the test, like tugging on Superman's cape, as the song says. Because Jesus had this great knack of flipping the test around and taking the questioner to a new level. Someone said that Jesus, when we ask Jesus a question, especially when we were testing him, he turns it around and asks the questions we should have asked. And he does that too. He flipped the script on the Pharisees and he showed them and each of us to bow down to see what is truly good and truly righteous. So when it comes to these questions of right and wrong in our life, truth and deception, you could also put it this way, that where the Pharisees and the evil one is playing checkers, Jesus is playing chess. He's many moves ahead of us. The Pharisees are sort of playing checkers because they can't get over their obsession with who is right and who is wrong when it comes to marriage and divorce. And we have the same problem today. They want to pull Jesus into the turf battle of the time, putting him on the spot by saying, is it lawful to grant a divorce? If Jesus says it's not lawful to grant a divorce, he would go against the established law of Moses and all of the conservatives and the patriarchs where extenuating circumstances uh, weren't even allowed for divorce. But he, if he says it's, if it's lawful to divorce, he'd be seen as, you know, condoning the destruction of the family structure at the time. And so they want Jesus to take sides. They don't want Jesus to see this as a test. They want Jesus to see this as a threat. They're saying, get on my side. No, get on your side. We gotta be hard on him. We gotta react. We gotta shut it down. I can't tell you how many times I've been put in that position. That's not how you deal with evil. You deal with evil as a test, as a trial, to see if your good is bigger than that bad. And that's what Jesus did. 
They're playing checkers. He's playing chess. He knows that a deeper debate is not about marriage and divorce. It's about God and it's about man. Who's in charge? Who knows best? Who's the ultimate judge? You see, according to Mosaic law, it was the priestly class, the Pharisees themselves, who were charged with blessing marriages, and under certain circumstances, they could permit divorce. So the real issue here is not whether a marriage or a divorce is good or bad. It's who is in a position to judge what is good and what is bad. And the answer, of course, is not ultimately the Pharisees. It's not ultimately the priests. It's to God, and it's only to God. Jesus says that God created marriage from the very beginning. That's the question you should have asked, Pharisees. Not is it right and it wrong, not is it mosaic or not. You need to go back further. What did God do, Jesus asked them. And he answers his own question. From the beginning of creation, God made them male, made them female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one, so they're no longer two but one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. In a word, Pharisees, you proud Pharisees, you're way out of your league in arbitrating finally what's right and wrong on marriage and divorce. The mystery of marriage belongs to God. Where were you Pharisees when I created it, baked it into creation? Divorce Pharisees can't be granted by you and you can't abolish it. Like any suffering in this world, like any wrong in this world, only I, God, can heal it. And Jesus sees right through those Pharisees and we Pharisees at times into our hearts and the main problem isn't marriage or divorce. The main problem is Adam's problem. The original sin which remains our own. We all want to be our own judge and jury. It matters in marriage. It matters in life in general. It matters of if this person doing something right to the church or doing wrong to the church. Is this person in or out? Is this person really Armenian or not? Is this person more Armenian than I am or not? Is, this more, is Western Armenian right or is Eastern Armenian right? Sorry, I'm getting a little riled up here. Um, we all want to do that. We all want to decide what's right for my life. I'm a decent person, follow the rules of right and wrong in my tradition. I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not like them. No, says Jesus. God brought this all together you are in no position to judge yourself or anyone else. God was and is and will be the judge and the jury. That doesn't mean, however, that right and wrong doesn't exist. It also doesn't mean that we have no part and special role in this life. What is our role? It's not judge, it's not jury. In Acts it says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, behaving like Christians everywhere. We throw around this word witness a lot in church circles, but witness captures in one word the main role of a joyful and a purposeful Christian life. And notice that that word witness still is a courtroom word, just like judge and jury, but it has a very different role. It doesn't ask us to judge. It doesn't ask us to rule. It doesn't ask us to be an attorney arguing the case of right and wrong. It says witness. What does a witness do? A witness sticks to what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I've done. That's all. Tell the story of what God has done in your life 
around you to other people and embody it in what you do. That's the role. That's why even good and bad are subject to a higher calling and why Jesus worked much more with sinners than he worked with respectable, righteous people because the witness of a sinner is so much more powerful than the witness of someone who feels themselves righteous. The witness of a sinner is most powerful because it's the most true because every single one of us, of course, sitting here is a sinner who falls short of the glory of God. So whether you're married or divorced, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're black, white, or yellow, no one who walks the earth is in a position to be judged over you or you to judge over another. Judgment is for God alone. But each of you, each of us, are called to take whatever we have, whatever we've done, for good or bad, and use it to witness the greatest story that has ever been told. That's the ongoing story between God and his creation, between God and each of his beloved sons and daughters, which no person and no law and no evil can come between. For what God has joined together, let not man separate now and always and unto the ages of ages. Amen.